going to be talking this morning about, uh, in many ways, what Matthew and Brighton had to share is they had opportunity to go to a place in which they had been exposed to the gospel. In fact, they would say they, they understood the gospel, and they, they send out missionaries everywhere around the world, the globe, to talk about their understanding of the gospel. But the question is, is their gospel the true gospel? And that's where we'll begin this, this morning as we uh, try to discern, well, how do we know if we've got it right or not? And um, we'll find that out in God's Word. You know, it's interesting when you have an experience like we as a nation have, where it was Independence Day, July 4th, uh, this past week. Uh, often when you see people, people ask you that very straightforward question, how was your 4th? How was your Independence Day? Did you have a great celebration? And then if they might think, did you have opportunity to have a great meal or whether you're visiting with family and friends or did you see the, the fireworks, you know, did, uh, how, how did your fourth go? And I heard that question many times uh, this past week. But, but since we've had that experience, I don't know if you noticed it, there was a 7.1 and a 6.4. The other question I got often was, did you feel the earthquake, Right. And so uh, often that's uh, what you'll get when something happens out of the ordinary, even though we, know, we are known in California as the place where it shakes, rattles, and rolls and because of earthquakes. We, we haven't had one significantly for a while, and so uh, people were really curious, how, how did you do through the earthquake? And as, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about a conversation I heard of one family after the first earthquake. I don't know what they had after the second one. After the first earthquakes, uh, one of the conversations around the table was... Uh, well, it wasn't, it wasn't San Andreas's fault. <laughs> to which one of the younger people, you got the joke already, is, well, then whose fault was it? <laughs> and as we think about that, we're always wondering, when is the San Andreas fault going to be the earthquake cause for whatever the shake and roll that we might experience? But as you think about other things that can shake us up a little bit, uh, we wonder, well, what, what is the cause? What, what happened and why did it happen and who brought it into being? And we have, in our experience in life, we have people that will talk about uh, uh, things that go wrong, and then from an insurance perspective, they'll say it's always an act of God. And so if you can't figure out, if it wasn't a man-made, you know, compulsion out of something we did, we'll say, well, then God must have done it, because we can't explain it any other way. Now, it's interesting about that, even people who don't believe in God will call it an act of God because it's just a way to say we can't explain it. Well, in, in many ways, as you look at why people believe what they believe, you, you begin to scratch your head, well, why do they believe that? And, and Paul addresses that. And it definitely wasn't an act of God that that's the reason they believe what they believe. They, just, they began listening to people that they shouldn't have listened to, and they forgot about the people that they had heard who had told them the truth, and they start going astray. And so Paul writes a letter, and interesting enough, I had a conversation with someone after the first service who came from a Mormon background. In fact, he had said that he had been in the Mormon faith for 45 years until he understood the truth. And he said it was kind of a, a you know, we would call it the sovereignty or providence of God. He says, I, I wasn't going to be here today, but circumstances just brought me. And isn't it interesting that this is what much of what you were talking about this morning? And what he said is Galatians is the book that really speaks into the, the Mormon faith, uh, their beliefs, and, and hopefully shakes their world up a little bit and saying, look, you need to examine what you believe because you might call yourself, as Brighton was sharing, 
a person who is a Christian, a follower of Jesus, but you're not following the Jesus of the Bible, and you're not following the message of the Bible. Now, that sounds rather oppressive, but the truth sometimes, what? It hurts, right? And the Apostle Paul, on the letters that he wrote, most of the time, in fact, maybe other than Galatians, he always, he always starts out, even in the, the church at Corinth, a lot of things he can praise them about and thank God for them and all the good things are happening. Well, in this letter to the churches in Galatia, it wasn't just one church, many churches there, he kind of dispels all that nice talk and he gets to the point. He gives a simple introduction and then you can pick up the tone in his, his writing. Now, when you're having a conversation with someone, you can often tell where that conversation is going by looking at the nonverbal expressions, right? If they have a scowl on their face, you're thinking, oh, this is stuff that uh, this might not be a pleasant uh, confrontation here. Uh, or if they, they use harsh tones or they say words with a lot of uh, a flame coming out of the, the consonants and vowels that are in that word, you recognize this is going to be a tough talk. And Paul, obviously they couldn't see his face when he wrote that, but they could read his words, and Paul was not going to mince words with them. He was going to speak right to the issue. And so what we're going to do, and, and we only have so much time, but we'll, uh, we'll try to uh, get the main uh, truth out of what I want to share with you. Uh, Paul, uh, and I won't read the introduction again as I did in the first service, but we'll get right to where new ground uh, from our series, this is only the second week, in which Paul introduces himself. And in his introduction, I guess the thing you would want to remember about, he said, look it, as I'm writing this to you, I'm Paul the Apostle, but I want you to understand, I'm not writing because I, I am so filled with myself. This was, a, this was a mandate from God. This calling was not from men. It wasn't even my idea. God is the one who drafted me to speak for him. And so then he, he invites him to understand my, my goal, and this is the, the first positive thing he, kind of, he says to him, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's significant about this, it's always in that order, grace and peace. You never experience peace with God or the peace of God before you experience the grace of God. This is something God gives you, not something man gives you. This is not something somehow you achieve on your own. God's pleased with me because I'm doing better than the person next to me or behind me or in front of me. You're doing this because God has given you peace. And then he gets into his message. And his message begins with strong terms, beginning with verse 6. And he's telling the truth, and we're going to tell the truth this morning, the true gospel. He says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. And hopefully you can get kind of the heat in that, in that voice of his written in Scripture, written in words. He said, I can't, I can't, it's hard for you to believe this. I'm so amazed. How could you leave? I, I helped you start this whole journey in the faith with God. And now it's like nothing I said to you, you're remembering. And, and you're exchanging what you were taught, not for something better or something that comes alongside what I said, but you're following a different gospel. Verse 7 says the same thing. You are following a different gospel, which is really not another, another of the same kind, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Just a side note here. The word disturbing you 
it really is, um, I guess, timely for our experience in California this last week. It, it really is, I, you're being shaken in a powerful way. And it's not in a good way. It's like you're having a, not a physical earthquake, you're having a spiritual earthquake and you're sleeping through it. Have you ever had that conversation with someone, particularly if there's a shaking at night and you ask them, did you feel it? And he said, no, I what? I slept through it. Anybody sleep through one of those shaking, you know, in the past? And some of you, okay, if there's even a gentle movement, you're wide awake. Uh, but what he's saying here, look, at you are, you are being shaken to something that is disturbing you spiritually, and, and you need to be aware of this. And so what I want to do this morning is, and it, and it connects with what our, uh, a, few, a few of our youth experienced when they went to Utah, is if we're going to help people understand the true gospel, then we need to know what is it that is the true gospel? What is the gospel? And so what I want to talk about is very simply, what is essential as it relates to the facts of the gospel? And in your outline, I put the, way, the facts of the gospel of grace, because inherently in the gospel is something we don't deserve. It's unmerited favor. It's something that God gives us that we can't give ourselves. What are the essential facts of the gospel? Because if you're going to tell someone the truth about the gospel, you've got to know the facts. Shake your head like you're still agreeing with me, right? What are the facts of the gospel? And then the other part I want to talk about, what is essential not only about the facts of the gospel, but what is, the, what is essential about faith in the gospel? What is it that God is requiring of us once we understand the facts of it? Because you can know the truth, and the truth does nothing for you because you're not embracing the truth, or you're not embracing the truth in the right way. And so we're going to talk about those two things, and then just for free, I'll throw a couple of things out real rapidly at the end. Well, what is the essential facts of the gospel? Well, let me read. I'm not going to have time to, you know, to really go in depth with it. But Paul, in his letter to Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 15, said this. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which you also receive, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved. So the true gospel is a saving gospel. Would we... I mean, that's, sometimes people say, well, it's all, it's all your interpretation. There are things in the Bible you could say are up to interpretation. You, you can, you know, understand it this way and somebody else can understand it the other way. But, but some things, let's be honest, it's, to say it's all up to interpretation is just ridiculous because it's so plain to take it another way, you, you are imposing yourself on what's been written, Right? And so Paul says, look, it, I want you to understand I've preached this gospel to you, and this is the gospel that saves. So is it, is it an interpretation to say the true gospel is that which saves? I mean, it's an obvious thing. And then he goes on and says this, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain, unless your faith is, a, is a not a true faith. For I have delivered to you as a first importance. In other words, we'll sometimes say that this is going to be on the test. You've got to get this. If you, don't, if you forget other things I say, don't forget this. For I delivered to you as, as a first importance that which I also received, that Christ, and here it is. Here are, the, here are the facts of what Jesus did. That Christ, number one, died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. So in the sense of the gospel facts, this is the, this is the bare minimum people need to know. What is, what is the gospel? 
Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose from the grave. Now, that is the, the action item, uh, items of what Jesus did. But I don't think it really fills in all the blanks. So let's take a step back. When you apply what Jesus has done, what is it that people need to know to understand the message that God wants them to embrace and trust by faith? Number one, there is a God and that God loves you. There is nothing about the gospel that's good news unless there's a God that loves you. Would you agree? Why do we want to know a God that's filled only with wrath and hatred toward people, and really, he doesn't want you to get to know you? <clears throat> the Bible says that God is searching for us. Have you ever, you ever played hide-and-seek? Okay, or watch other people play hide-and-seek? Now, if you have a, a, a real... Uh, uh, you know, humor like Warren Williams, which is a real dark humor. You know, you play a hide-and-go-seek game, and, and you be the person you're going to go, uh, you're going to be the person that's it, remember that? And everybody else hides, and then you don't go chase them. <laughs> you don't try to find them. You let them stay out there as long as they want, okay? And you're just, you're just sitting back doing nothing. Well, he's not playing the game right. If you're playing hide-and-seek, that, that presupposes someone is looking for you. And, and they want to find you. That's the object of the game, Right? You're not just playing it just to walk around and, you know, see where some people's, you know, favorite hiding spaces are. You want to find the people. You want to win at the game. God is seeking people. And why is he seeking us? Because he loves us. And, of course, that's the most familiar verse in all the Bible. For God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So it begins there. We want to be clear about the simple gospel. And let me just be honest, when you have people knock at your door, you know, and they want to tell you what they believe or their, their religious message, it's amazing to me when, when they talk for sometimes lengthy periods of time, at the end you go, I have no idea what they just said. What is their message? Because it's so convoluted, you know, it's, well, Believe what we believe, but you've got to do a bunch of other things to make sure that you believe it and to make sure that you're worthy of, of what God wants to offer, which is a relationship with Him. Well, what are those things? Well, it's all the things that we teach. Well, what are those things that you teach that are most important? Well, it's all the things that we teach. So the gospel is, your message is believe, and then everything else I've got, got to do to make sure I earn it and, and measure up. Uh, I, and, and, and at that point, I'm left, well, what are those things? Well, it's everything. Well, the, here, here's the message of, of Jesus. I want you to know that God loves you. And he, and he wants to know you. Well, what's the problem then? You can't know him on your own. Because that's the second thing, is that, that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sin separates us from God. We can't know God through our own efforts. We're missing the mark. As I was sharing the first service, those who like to golf, when you're on the green... The object of the game is to get that little, let's call it a white ball. It could be multicolored. But you want to get that light, that white ball in the what? In the little hole, right? The little cup. And often we'll joke with, with each other when we're playing. If you hit that little ball and you hit it short, what you've just done is you sinned. Because if you don't hit the ball far enough, there's no possible way for that ball to get in the cup. And really, that speaks about our life. No matter how much we try on our own part, we're going to fall short because we can't be good enough to get to heaven. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. 
Well, that doesn't sound like good news. God loves me, but my sin separates me from him. What's the other part of the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ came, God the Son, and he died on the cross paying the price for the penalty of our sins. And and he rose again. Jesus paid it all. In fact, I think there's a hymn of the faith that we we sing that. Jesus paid it all. He didn't pay part of it, which is the message of the Mormon church, the church of the Latter-day Saints. Well, he paid for your sins, but now you've got to do all these things to measure up. Jesus paid for all of our sins. The Bible says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we need to understand that the gospel begins with God loves us. Secondly, that we have sin and our sin separates us from God. And thirdly, that Jesus came, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. But we can't just leave it there. We've got to respond. You must believe. I must believe. Everyone must believe if they're going to get in on the good news. Believe that Jesus, in Jesus, as Lord and Savior. It's, it's one thing to know these truths, but unless you get off the fence, unless you commit and, and, and you choose to follow him. The Bible says, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then it doesn't add a bunch of other stuff after that. Romans 10, 13 said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, that's the facts of the gospel. And, and, and let me, this, is, this isn't going to be on a written test, but this is something we all should be able to explain clearly to people. You know, what, what is the message of Christ? That there is a God. He's noble and he, want, and he loves you. Secondly, we're all separated from him because of our rebellion, the sin, our selfishness, and we are far from him. But Jesus came to be that bridge to, to bring us to God. He paid for the sins completely and fully on the cross. But we must make a choice. We got to make a commitment. We got to either put faith in ourselves and our own efforts or put our faith in, in the work of Jesus on the cross. Which leads us now, what's the essential faith in the gospel? I put it this way, you got to come to a place where you, you realize you can't earn it. You can't do it on your own. You receive it by faith in believing who Jesus is and what he has done. Jesus was more than just a religious teacher. He, wasn't a, he, he was more than just someone who started a religion. He was fully God become man, rescuing us to himself. But we've got to put our faith, our total faith in him. And it's God drawing us to himself. It's not something we do on our own. But we come to that point where we either choose or choose not to believe. Ephesians 2, 8 and John 1, 12, great verses that speak about that. We, we sometimes put it this way. And when I was dealing with some of the younger ones at baptism, I, I got in that place. Well, explain to me your commitment to Christ. And they got, they got a little bit um, general about it. And so we just rehearse this. What, what is it you have done to cross over the line of faith? And whether you use these terms or not, there comes a place in your life where you admit your need. Jesus, not, Jesus came as a great physician. We've all heard that, right? And, and do, do any of you really desire to go to a doctor when you're not sick? You know, there's going to be money out of my pocket. They're just going to say, you're fine, just come back next time. Well, it, it, well, now when you are sick, you know, there's more of a motivation, Right? 
And you admit your need, and, and Jesus is the great physician. Admit your need, but turn from your sin. Secondly, believe. Believe in Jesus Christ as Lord God and Savior who rose from the dead. And then see, make a choice, make a commitment to follow Jesus, Lord God and Savior, trusting Him and Him alone. So that's the true gospel. That's, that's the essential facts and a way to understand the essential faith in the gospel. Now, and this is what I'm not going to preach on this morning, but I was. But you know, what isn't it? Sometimes we, we really wrestle with what something is, but sometimes it's helpful to know what it isn't. Uh, just stating this. It isn't works for justification. And we've already said that. Justification is a fancy word to say, this is when you are declared righteous in God's eyes. The communion table, and often I quote this verse. I know it's a, since I bagged on Warren a little bit, you know, it's one of his favorite verses too. He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When you really, truly know Jesus, you are righteous in his eyes. Well, how does that happen? It's not by your own works. It's by your faith through his grace. So it isn't works for justification and also isn't works for sanctification. Sometimes we think, well, the way, well, I come to know Jesus by faith, but now I got to do all this stuff to, to make him be pleased with how I live. No, you don't work your way to sanctification. You just live it out by the power of the Spirit. And why is it so crucial? Because the stakes are high. Let me just read two verses and then we'll close in prayer. In verse 8, it says this. Right after he says, look, you're following a different gospel, which is not really a gospel. It's a, it's just, it's a, it's a distortion of what I already taught you. Verse 8 says this. But even if we preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to, if anyone does that. Okay, eat what, let me read again. But if we are an angel from heaven should, should preach to you a gospel different than one we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. It says the same thing in verse 9. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Now, depending upon your translation, it might use a very scary word, anathema. I mean, just saying anathema, I mean, that, that sounds scary, doesn't it? Well, because it is scary. Uh, the, the word accursed means that, that you might be cursed by God himself. And it really said that you might be under the wrath and judgment of a holy God who's angry against sin and sin that separates you from him. And when you follow after that, which will not bring you into a right relationship with God, God is angry with that, and you are upon the judgment of God being placed on your life. So if you didn't make the connection, why is the, gospel, why is the true gospel so important? Why is it so crucial? Because if we don't embrace it by faith, we in God's eyes are under his wrath, his damnation, his judgment, because we've rebelled against the only solution, provision for our sin. So what's the point this morning? The point is always one that we ought to preach to ourselves. Do we know the gospel? Do we know it well enough not only to apply it to our lives, but we know it to be able to plainly and clearly share it with somebody else? It's not, it's not complicated, is it? It's God loving you. It's your sin and anybody's sin separating them from God. It's Jesus paying the penalty for our sin, but then coming to that place where they make a choice, a commitment to follow Jesus as Lord God and Savior. We can't do that on our own apart from God drawing us to himself. 
But our faith is required for us to receive what God is willing to give as a gift. And the question is, have you received that gift? And the other question would be, then, if you have received that gift, who are you praying for that you would desire that you could be used of him to lead someone to embrace the true gospel by faith? Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that you want us to know the truth. Not to put us under some kind of yoke of slavery, but as you have said, to set us free. Set us free to be the people you want us to be and help other people to be set free. If there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, I just ask that they would make this choice this morning to admit their need and turn from their sin, to believe in Jesus as the one who paid the penalty for their sin and rose again, to choose to commit to follow Jesus as their Lord and God and Savior. And for us who know you, might we, we just desire to be an agent of yours to help other people to understand the gospel. We would be surprised how many people do not understand the simplicity of the truth about Jesus. Help us to be uh, your spokespeople to share the good news with others. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.